Hey, how you doing? This is Sylvester Stallone. And I'm saying, don't be greedy and lazy. Listen to an elegant weapon with Jason. He's like not mentally irregular, you know? An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 301. My name is J.J.M. Clark, J. the Jedi, Ross, Ross, Jedi, J. It is always so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back here with me in the L5J studios. Thank you all for tuning in to episode 300 with our very, very special guest, Mr. Ralph Garman. I cannot thank Ralph enough for popping by. Hell of a way to cap off 300 episodes, kids. But now we carry on into the next Centurion. Uh, this episode of An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Action 2018, which is a show happening in Windsor uh, next February on the 18th. It's put on by Comic Book Syndicate, our very good friends over there, uh, and we'll be traveling out. I myself will be serving as Master of Ceremonies and Panel Host for Action 2018. Going to be lots of cool artists, uh, cosplayers, and the like, so you must come out to the St. Clair College for the Arts, February 18th, to check out some very, very cool stuff and an awesome show. And to me, I'll be there. Come meet me. You can meet me in person. We'll hang out and say hello and talk of merry times. Uh, so yeah, that's who this episode's brought to you by. What is this episode about? Why? It's Mr. Travis McIntyre, our old friend Travis. Uh, editor-in-chief of SourcePoint Press Publishing, as well as Mr. Andy Schmidt. Andy is a former editor and writer at Marvel and IDW. He is the founder and chief of The Comics Experience, which is an online school. You can go there and take courses about how to make comics from the pros. SourcePoint Press and Comics Experience have a new joint venture. It's a very, very cool operation they've put together that they'll be uh, co-venturing through. And we're going to talk all about it. So, remember, February 18th, Action, St. Clair College for the Arts, Comic Book Syndicate. I will be there. It's going to be good times. Tonight, you're hearing me talk to Travis McIntyre and Mr. Andy Schmidt. Enjoy. Travis. Travis, you yep. mad, maniacal madman. Why have you brought us here together? Something's going on, I believe, in your crazy head. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think the story actually starts um, starts with old Rich Bloom. Do you remember him? I, I, I may recall Rich Bloom. I, I, I kind of springs to mind, yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he hangs around with us quite a bit, a little fella. He looks a lot like Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's you so know what? dead on. <laughs> now that it you is, mention it. it. <laughs> Jay, Jay Fosgett drew him as Lumiere one time, and it was hysterical <laughs> and he drew me as Cogsworth which was which was less funny oh I do uh, remember anyway. that <laughs> um, uh, so Rich uh, as you know was doing a lot of logo work for us at SourcePoint Press um, you know he did the Savant's logo and just doing a lot of setup and pre-press work and uh, he started telling me about 
how he had met Andy Schmidt with Comic Experience and had been talking to them and was thinking about um, maybe doing some stuff with them, maybe teaching a class about about design or, or setup or something along those lines. And so I got interested in what that was. And I bugged Rich for like, I don't know, probably eight months or something to like, hey, you got to introduce me to Andy Schmidt. You got to ultimately introduce me to Andy Schmidt. I love what they're doing. Um, and then it was at C2E2 last year, I actually finally got to meet, you know, the legendary Andy Schmidt. <laughs> now, let me just ask, was Rich taking, uh, just so people understand, too, the comics experience uh, is kind of a school you have. Yes, Andy? Yeah. So um, when I left Marvel, um, I started I, I started this. I started Comics Experience. And, and when I first started it, we were, I was in living in New York City. Um, I was a kept man at the time. My wife worked, and I <laughs> I played around in comics. It was it was it was the high life. Um, and yeah, I started. So I started teaching. I just started with two classes, like an introduction to writing for comics class, and I held it like I rented theater space actually, uh, and would drag tables in there like re rehearsal space, and and did a comics class and a, a comics art class, like storytelling art class, and put up a cheap bare bones website and little did I know it would start snowballing. And from there it just started growing. And then, so that's what I did for about like a year, just trying to get, you know, going to like tiny shows and whatever, trying to spread the word. And it started to pick up a little bit of steam. And then, so I did that for a year and then went to IDW uh, where I was there for three years, and but yeah, but and when I when I went to IDW, I had to move to San Diego, and that's not as big of a market. So that's when I took it online. I started doing the classes online, and then and then it sort of took off, and there was a lot more interest. And then I started having professional state classes and stuff. So it it yeah, it really snowballed. But yeah, it's like it's an online comic book school. We've had yeah, we've had students from six continents, and I'm actually wow. trying. I'm actually trying to uh, get a um, – uh, it's not a scholarship, like a grant thing. I'm trying to get a grant so that I can go to Antarctica, to McMurdo Base, what? and actually like take my own class from McMurdo Base just so I can cover that that off. Yeah, wow. Got to get that seventh class. That's oh, a what a cool it's, way to use that, man. It's a cool it's a, way it, to like – yeah, to – to teach and educate yet have educating experiences yourself at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a bucket list thing. I want to go to Antarctica. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's an online school and, and there's, there's a lot of different aspects to it. And, and, um, you can, you know, if anybody's really interested, which I hope you are, cause it's a, it's a ton of fun as, as well as being educational. Um, you know, I mean, it's just comicsexperience.com and you can look up all the different stuff we got going on. Right on. So Rich took classes with the experience then? So, no, actually, I met Rich uh, because uh, Kyle Higgins put me in touch with Rich because Kyle and I are, are friends, and he was, okay. you know, he's written Nightwing and a bunch of stuff over at DC, some stuff at Marvel. and, and I love his work. It's fantastic. And when he was going to Image to do Cal, um, he wanted to bring on an editor, and we knew each other, so he asked me to, to edit it, so I worked on the first – six issues of Cal and, and Rich was doing all the book design and logo design. He did a, just a, a, a great amount of work. So that's how I met Rich. And then, and he had mentioned when we were working together on that source point. And it's funny too, because I talked myself out of a job on Cal because, because Kyle and, 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 and the, like the whole team, they were so like professional that like by like a few issues in, I like I called up 
Kyle, and I was like, um, you don't actually need an editor. Like, you're doing this just <laughs> fine without me. Like, you can stop cutting me in. And and uh, and and the book that book was great. I was I was sad it didn't last longer. It, it definitely should have. Right it was, on, right, right on. on. So, what kind of madness would make you consider taking the risk of throwing your entire career away by getting in bed with Travis McIntyre? <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question. Um, no, I mean it, it was really interesting because we had we had previously done a publishing deal for four titles with IDW, and what that turned out to be was a really good like proof of concept. And what what we kind of proved with those four books was that we could compete creatively on a on a professional level. Our books were getting were getting really good reviews. Uh, the people getting them, and 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 even though they were new properties by by new creators, which is which is like the whole thrust of this is is bring people in, get them working together, like build a creative community, and then and, you know, and with a publishing program, get them get them out into the world, get their books in readers' hands. Like that's what this whole thing is about. And so the deal with IDW was kind of a proof of concept. So we did four books with them, um, and around that time that we were wrapping that up, uh, IDW went public. And I don't know how many companies you deal with have gone public, but once they go public, they go insane um, because now they've got to deal with shareholders and all this sort of stuff. And so they don't really go insane, but their priorities shift. And, uh, and so we just kind of called it there. And so, but I was like, there's really something here. Like our sales were good. Our, our, the response was good. Readers liked it. Retailers dug it. And, um, and so then I started looking for another, uh, partner, uh, that I could really, you know, work with closely and, and, you know, help develop talent and that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, so I met Travis at C2E2 and I took one look at the bearded warrior and was like, that is not the guy to do this with. <laughs> Can absolutely not work. Yeah, this is a terrible uh, idea. A terrible idea. Yeah. Okay, so lay out the idea itself. Okay. Um, yeah. The I, well. All right. From my perspective, I'm curious how Travis feels about. It, but from my perspective, um, uh, you know, I mean, I I worked at Marvel for I don't know, five or six years as an editor, and wouldn't trade that time in for anything else, but I learned a lot of lessons about corporate America, learned a lot of lessons about how freelancers can, should, and shouldn't be treated, and wound up leaning really towards wanting to help creators and lean into creator rights and all that kind of stuff. And I got to a point where I started getting um, – yeah, I wasn't always thrilled with the way things went at the big companies. Um, sure. So I left. I left before I got unhappy or or, or anything, um, and uh, and felt like I had made my mark and and I was able to use some of the things I worked on there to, you know, propel a nice little writing and consulting career and stuff. But what I really got passionate about. Uh, even when I was at Marvel and certainly again, you know, I was at IDW and then I was at Hasbro for, for a couple of years after that, even, um, I got really passionate about new creators and trying to give new creators the tools, uh, that I wished existed when I was trying to break into comics. Right. Um, so I'm one of those classes taught by professionals with real 
practical advice and all that sort of stuff. And then that grew into doing an online creators workshop where you can be in there 24 seven, um, you know, and then, and then, so, so really the idea is helping new creators, getting new creators to help each other, like form a, form a community of, of people that are lifting each other up and, and, um, and then, and then going all the way to publishing, you know, the more so, you work at, more, the more you get involved in the community and the more you learn, the better you're going to get. And eventually you're going to get to the point where we're hopefully going to give you a thumbs up for let's get, let's get your book out into the world. Okay. So basically if, if somebody, you know, gets to that point, source point will be kind of the delivery system for that. Like, you know, I would say source points more involved in that, but, but, but yeah, basically we're taking books by our, our members and, you know, potentially people that, that do, or we have a mentoring program, which is more like one-on-one, um, and, and our classes. And if they, if they're turn if they're creating great material and they're, and they're, and they're kind of using the resources, you know, that comics experience is providing, then, then yeah, then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll notice. And, and we, we have like submission windows, for them. So, I'll, you know, right now, like we're wrapping one up. So January was our first submission window. And, uh, and we said, you know, for January, we're going to take your, your pitches in and then comics experience. I've got a couple of other people that come in professionals too, that evaluate the projects on a number of different areas. And then, and then I'll take a couple of those to, to Travis and Josh and the guys at source point, and we'll talk about them and, choose the ones that we think, you know, can move forward and the ones that we, you know, and I'm, I'm very upfront. And like one of the things that I, that, that I guarantee anybody that submits, I mean, you know, obviously I'm able to kind of shrink how many people submit. Cause you, you gotta be a part of this, you know, you gotta be a part of the thing. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I tell them that they will get an answer, you know, which, which usually when you put a submission into a comics publisher, you don't, right, right, right. right. <laughs> You're going to get an answer with, with at least a, with at least a top level reason, um, why we're, why we, we're t- moving it forward or why we're not at, at this time. And so, you know, I mean, I, Honestly, at the at the end of the day, it's just trying to be respectful of other human beings. Right. Like, yeah, you should say courteous, it's being, man. It's yeah, being courteous, being like your grandma taught you to be, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just kind of you know recognizing <laughs> there are humans involved in this and not just. <laughs> so so yeah so so you'll get you know I mean somebody might get you know feedback like you know and it can be I mean. And one of the, you know, obvious because I'm online with with folks so often, you know, I'm often able to just sort of conversationally talk about a lot of this stuff and how like a no doesn't mean your book sucks. Right. Your book, your book might suck, but uh, <laughs> but, but what it what it more often than not means is no because we've got another project in the pipeline that's too similar, so it's kind of no for now or. You know, we don't think that from a sales standpoint, it can sustain for five issues or I mean, there's so many different reasons that something might not work for now or frankly, even like right now, we're not the place for, you know, this particular genre, though we are trying to. And Travis and I, I mean, we've talked a lot about about trying to start pushing the boundaries of, of the types of books that source point can publish. But right now we know horror and, and sci-fi. we know that that works well at source point. And we're, I think we're gonna, we're going to start pushing those boundaries out. So maybe, right on. 
years, maybe romance books will be totally totally up on, you know? It's, uh, I, I really dig this idea. It's very, very cool. I mean, there's so many, you know, well, not so many as much as the publisher side of it, but there are many schools out there, and I've never, ever heard of a joint venture uh, between two establishments like this. So it's a very, very cool thing that you guys are putting together. Does this all jive with your version of the story, Travis? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, I think I just uh, the the main difference that comes in is is really like what our motivations were uh, to get involved. <laughs> so really, for me, it's uh, what it came to was uh, you know I saw what he was what Andy was doing with the comic experience, and I thought this is amazingly cool um, because you you know like how I got started in the industry, you know, and. Um, you know, with, with caliber and Gary Reed kind of taking me under his wing and helping yeah. me out. It was huge help. And, uh, you know, how, how difficult it is for their, for like information to get disseminated, like the truths about the industry. Right. And like, what, what does it really take to make this happen? And how do you really go about it? And I thought like what Andy's doing is, is actually that. You know, it's real stuff. It's real information. These are established pros that he's bringing in to teach these classes and talk about how this stuff happens. And, you know, these are real guys who are helping shepherd these books along. And so for me, I started off, I just thought it was really cool and I wanted to meet him. And then when we got to talking about what Comic Experience wanted to do going forward, uh, I started looking at it as like, oh, well, this is this is perfect This for, because for us, it's a pipeline. You know, it's uh, – yeah. we need content. We need new content. We want new content from new creators. And, I mean, not to put too mercenary a point on it, but what Andy's providing to us is stuff that's been vetted at a very high level. It's been workshopped at a high level. And the creators that he's working with, these are creators that are very serious about it. They're yeah. not screwing around. They are willing. They want to put their time and their money where their mouth is. So these are people that we naturally want to work with. Um, you know, Jay's been around the SourcePoint crew since, almost since the very beginning, and so you know that we put a lot of emphasis on the creators themselves and trying to create a platform for the creators themselves. And, yeah, you know, and that, that's what yeah. Andy's bringing to the table are those people right off the bat. So for us, it's like this is this is amazing. We have a pipeline of New stuff, new names, quality ideas, you know, quality. I mean, the first four titles, I'll, I'll send you some digital copies, but they're amazing. They're great. We're doing a mix of, of trades and issue um, releases, but I mean, it's really, it's incredible stuff. This must so, be a terrifying time for you, my friend. For me? Yeah, for the, so many things are happening that uh, that you and I have had many personal conversations that you know have been ways that at times you didn't want to go, uh, you know, directions of actually getting outside of the genres that you're most comfortable with, uh, the fact that you are actually SourcePoint will be entering previews uh, in Diamond next month, uh, you know, these these are these are ideas that you seem to have become much more comfortable with in the past little while as SourcePoint has grown, no? Well, it, it became a thing where um, it was just it was just uh, like like the previous thing I think is is a is a good point. You know, we're really excited about it. We're we're pushing it really hard. We want it to be successful. Um, I mean, I 
it all came about because I had I I had a personal relationship with with Josh Jeppy, and we had a long talk about how can we make Diamond work better for us and the size we are. And they had a lot of ideas that I thought were very compelling, and we were able to to sign a deal that I that I found very compelling. Um, but I don't think that it changes our core model of getting out there, uh, connecting with stores on a personal level, and um, connecting with with people at the convention scene, which is the to us it's the backbone of our entire business. You know, is putting paper in people's hands. So you know, I like to look at it as just additive to any to all of that. Sure, um, sure, yeah. On the other hand, like, it, it gets to the point where like we're growing. And we're expanding, and you, you almost have no. You, there's just there's almost you almost have no choice, right? Like, so for us, you know, uh, Andy mentioned uh, expanding the type of books that we do. That's something that I'm really am interested in. You know, we mostly do horror and sci-fi, and we stuck with that because that's what we know. If you go back to you know me and Josh, that's what we know, and that's what we are good at and that's the market that we know um but now uh you know the company has grown enough that, that maybe we should be branching into other types of things and different sorts of uh uh different different kinds of books different kinds of marketing especially um, when there's so much out there and now like you say you've got a direct pipeline to the talent making it like it's yeah, almost I'm foolish like, not to right i'm like look i got this great book Andy, it appears to be about some kind of transforming robots. I know nothing about that. I need you to edit this. <laughs> well, I would I would say this too. I mean, one of the things that's really nice is like everything that Travis was just talking about about expanding the business, his talks with you know his negotiations or his talks with with Diamond and diversifying the line. You know, our press release went out just a couple of weeks ago, maybe. I mean, it was two weeks ago or something. But but. Travis and I have been talking about not just what we were going to do together, but we've been talking about the business. And you know, Travis, this is one of the reasons why I think this is a really strong partnership is Travis came up like old school indie comics, caliber, Gary, you know, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, um, I took like the, 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 I, I came in like the fairy princess. Like I started my comics career at Marvel Comics. <laughs> like, 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 I mean, I cheated. I don't know. Um, like I did it. I did it backwards. You know, like I, I started at Marvel and then I've now worked my way to indie comics because I like it better. But you know, like, but I've dealt with Diamond. Like I dealt with Diamond at Marvel. I dealt with Diamond at at um, at um, IDW. I even dealt with Diamond a little bit at Hasbro, you know, on the Alliance side because, you know, we were involved with Wizards of the Coast and all this sort of stuff too. So, so you know, we just get together and we'll talk and we have such different perspectives. We talk about print runs, you know, I mean, it's just a very kind of like, I don't know, now I don't want to sound too new agey, but like sort of holistic approach. And he'll talk with me about stuff that isn't directly involved with the deal between us, but I want him to succeed. He wants me to succeed, and we want to do things. and And I think, like with the four titles that that we're launching with, they push the boundaries a little bit about you know with the type of stuff that that Source Point has done. But they're not. But it's not like super in your face, you know. Like like the book, The Family Graves, is 
comes from horror, but it's kind of a PG it's a PG adventure take with the horror trope. So it pushes that boundary a little, but it's not completely unfamiliar to the source point audience. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I think all the books do that to some extent or another. And and so, you know, we're not – neither one of us wants us to fail. So, so <laughs> one of us wants to do anything like completely reckless. But yeah, I mean – Well, you got you to grow. You, yeah, you got to try new things, you know. And one of the things about like uh, Travis, you're saying about how, you know, uh, SourcePoint is known for kind of, you know, having its, you know, feet on the street, so to speak – up you know the 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 roster is a bunch of characters you know what i mean it's not like you're just going to a show and meeting a bunch of your typical creators if there is such a thing but you're going to a show and you're meeting these people like ben like casey you know that you're not going to meet these types of people really so it it is a total experience but you gotta you do have to go beyond that if you do want to continue to grow of course yes yeah i mean that that was sort of i think you could look at our last two years of successes and I, i think one of the things that you could pin it on is that we were very effective at building um a cult of personality around our our core creators yeah totally um and sort of really publicizing cartoon versions of themselves which are are only slightly exaggerated because some of them are i find no exaggeration in any way (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like you know that and that's great and and we did really well with that and we did really well with those books and we continue to do really well with them but yeah, we do. It, it is a matter of expanding the business, expanding the business, expanding our footprint, um, and just constantly doing different things and trying to stay ahead of the curve of what kind of books are out there and what kind of books are people wanting to. You know, I think that's the main key thing. And to kind of uh, to kind of jump onto what Andy was saying is that the more him and I got to talking, you know, talking on the the, the phone to kind of hammer out the deal. I mean, we would talk about our deal for like 15 minutes and then we would just talk about comics for an hour and 45 minutes, you know, yeah, but that I, is, I guess, that's the I business, right? Well, done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good that it's not just the coming together of two good organizations or, you know, two good ideas. It's two good passions at the same time, right? It's, it's two people who have, you know, similar goals in a similar direction that, that really greases the wheel. That makes things a lot easier and smoother, I'd imagine. It does. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, not to take anything away from, from my previous partner with IDW, that, that worked that worked really well. Um, but, but this is different, you know, I mean, IDW has got 50 employees now and they've got eight different businesses. They're in, they're in games and they're in the inner, you know, they're making Winona Earp TV shows and stuff. And like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, like, I'm just not going to be able to call them up and be like, Hey, can we talk about the the print run? Like, I think you should go a little lighter on this one. Cause it's this, or I think, I think we can put, move more units. Like I just can't really have that type of a conversation with an organization that's set that's big enough and set up that way. Whereas with, with Travis, like he wants to have those conversations and I want to have those conversations. And, you know, when he wants to try something new, I want to hear about it. And I, and I get excited by, by new ideas. I mean, 
one of the reasons I wound up leaving Marvel, I, I kind of made it sound earlier like it's like Marvel was evil, which they are. Um, well, depends on who you talk to. I guess, yeah, but, not always. I, right, <laughs> but I don't think of them as I don't think of them as evil. I mean, that you know, I certainly got a lot out of out of working there. You know, I learned a ton and and met a lot of people that I'm really close friends with even to this day and all this stuff. But but you know. I get excited about new stuff, and one of the reasons I, I left Marvel is because in the time I was there, I worked on every major character that they had. I got to revitalize some, like just like do my own take on them and stuff. And so, and so I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, I've, like I feel like I've kind of been on this merry-go-round once, and I guess I could kind of go through and do it all again, but. Why don't I try something different? I just get, I, you know, just I like new stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've heard the story, you know, occasionally here or there. Um, what's his name? Uh, Budiansky. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he kind of did the same like, thing. He went and invented every transformer there is, and then he was like, "Nah, I want to go be like a forest ranger or some shit now." Like, <laughs> right, you yeah. know, like he's in, he's in, he's so far away from what he was doing then, and it's like I didn't want to do it anymore, right? Like, it was great, it was fun, I did that. Now I wanted to try something else, you know. It's, you know, you gotta you gotta take those jumps once in a while. So, and that's awesome because now with the school and everything, you know, it's uh it just keeps passing it along as well. And, you know, you can, it's a good, it must be a good feeling to be able to, you know, help nurture the next generation, you know? Uh, it does feel pretty cool. And, and it's, it's nice too. I mean, I mean, it's, it's really neat to see, uh, you know, people that come through comics experience or are even still members and see them, you know, really succeeding and getting work and that, you know, we've had, we've had our, graduates alumni i don't know what, what we want to call them but you know folks that have come through and done a lot of work with us and then they get on staff and they've been on we've had people on staff at every major publisher um we've you know i mean our our, our the, the ones that that are focused on you know wanting to get out and and go that route and then we also have a lot of, a ton of people that are that are really interested in the craft but they're not like trying to make a career change they want to make a book here or there like you know and 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 it, I don't feel like it's my job to for you to come into my class and me go, this is what you should do. This is what your goals should be. My job is to find out what your goals are and then help you organize your thoughts and, and help you get the tools and the resources you need to get there. Like, sure. I mean, it's, it's not that – I don't know. I feel like I mean, maybe I get – uptight because uh, you know when i was in college it was like i would come into a class and they'd be like this is what you're gonna do this is what you're gonna learn and this is gonna be good for you i'm like that that has no bearing on what i want to do at all oh yeah uh, i think i think for, i i i definitely get the impression from all the people i've talked to over the years on this show that uh the people who are more open to you finding your own way and your own ideas always make the best teachers you know not necessarily the ones who come in and it's my way or the highway because that's just a ridiculous way to think when it comes to comic books, you know. Like <laughs> a lot of people get into their style, and uh, there's there's a there's an artist here named uh, George Todorovsky. Uh, he did a little work for Heavy Metal for a while, and yeah. uh, he's he, he I love this guy because he, he he just put out a book. It's called The Book, and that's what his book <laughs> is called, The Book. And you kids should check out The Book. But it's it's sixty. 
It's amazing. I hope you do. It's 16 short stories. Each one is done in as different a style as he could possibly come up with. And you would never guess that, you know, the same guy did all these stories. But that's I love that thing about him is that he tries to to envelop it all. He tries to soak in as much of everything as he can, you know. And I always find that to be, you know, whether you stick to your own style or not, when you're doing your thing, it's so beneficial to still learn others, right? Yeah, and and, and that's awesome. And that's, uh, you know, we've had some people, and actually, one of one of the books we're we're publishing, Grief, was is is kind of like that. Like Frank was, you know, took took the intro to writing course, and in that class, you know, you you work hard on a really solid five page comic book story. You know, it's got a beginning, a middle, and end. It's got a character arc. I mean, and you only have five pages, so you don't have any time, any space to waste, you know, on this thing. And he really recognized the value of like honing in and, and getting really good at telling a, a concrete story. And so he went out and then he did other shorts, and that turned into the book Grief. All these stories are with different artists, and they're all they all deal thematically with with grief um and you know he did that and and it was part of his learning process but it also turns out it's a great book uh paul aller did something like that he put out a book called clockwork which was which was a bunch of five-page stories that he did that and and with every story it was i'm gonna try and do something different with this story i want to try this genre i want to do a story with no word balloons i want to do a story where i play with time in comics you know and so you know and those sorts of things that kind of experimentation you know, maybe not every story is totally successful in what you're experimenting, but you learn the boundaries with, when you're doing that kind of thing. And ultimately, it makes you a better creator, and you've, and you've got this work that you can promote and stuff. So, sure, you got to play, right? I mean, it's got to be yeah. fun, too. <laughs> and I'll be honest. I think if, if it weren't for students coming into my class with this kind of new – energy and 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 new ideas and new takes on characters and stuff like i i think i would have lost a lot of interest in comics at least probably the the industry maybe not the medium itself but the industry but but i get so you know like pumped about people coming in and being pumped that like, <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think it keeps me you know really really engaged and yeah, yeah. and the industry itself is going through a pretty substantial shift on on multiple levels right now and and you know it used to be that i could say oh yeah i've seen a big shift since i started comics experience when i started i'd ask a class how many of you want to like write and draw for marvel and nine out of ten hands would go up and how many of you want to make your own creator own book and be like one out of ten would go up and that completely flipped in about in probably the first six or seven years That's that awesome. I was doing comics experience. But even more so now, you know, we're seeing all this diversification of content. We're seeing, you know, genres are diversifying the types of creators who are getting deals, um, you know, the, you know, different backgrounds, ethnicities, um, you know, all this sort of stuff that, that there's, there's all of this shift in so many different, uh, circles that, that it's both very exciting to be, I think, going going into the field. But um, but if you're like an old white dude like me, it's probably a little terrifying. But um, <laughs> but that's good. We should be terrified. We we need new voices. You know, we need we need we need different perspectives, and we need more people that are jazzed. We don't need more of the same. We need 
Yeah. We need to push these boundaries so we can stay stay. Well, that's why we need guys like you providing the opportunity. I mean, here in this area, in the greater Toronto area, uh, we're incredibly spoiled uh, as far as art culture, comic shops, uh, education. Uh, you know, so many guys who are working at the top live within like an hour of where I am. It's insane. Uh, and one of the big benefits here uh having that okay like over years of doing this you know about 90 percent of the creators uh locally that i've had on the show every time they mention ty templeton and that's because he has something here called the comic the book boot camp yeah you, okay you're familiar good he's got oh, yeah. the boot camp and it changes people's lives in a way that i can't even express like the way they wax poetic on this show about not just the influence that ties, you know, classes and whatever have given them, but that huge concrete building block from which everything else sprang. And out of that also came like all these students got so jazzed and they had all these, you know, different creative original ideas. They were like, what are we going to do? So that is what birthed the Toronto Comics Anthology. Uh, which is an anthology. I think this was the fifth year. Uh, this year it was Toronto uh, Comics Young at Heart. Uh, and I believe it's the fifth. Yeah, it's the fifth one. Fifth year they've done it. And basically a whole bunch of students and graduates of the boot camp came out. And they went to Ty and we were like, you know, we want to do something. Would you do this? Or He was like, no, do it yourselves. I just taught you how. Go do yourselves. And they did. So now five years running, this award-winning anthology of uh, – and the cool thing about the anthology is it's it can be whatever kind of story you want. It's just – it has to involve Toronto. It's got to be about Toronto. So it could be sci-fi, fantasy, horror, whatever you want. And the book is filled with all these different genres and all these cool new ideas from all these you know jazzed-up young creators. And it's all because you know, of the boot camp. So it's wonderful to have these things out there. So, you know, I, I appreciate yeah. having comics experience, the boot camp, all this stuff is great for layman's, for, you know, professionals I've even known who have taken some of these courses to just improve their skills and they come out reinvigorated. It's great, you know? Yeah, Ty's, Ty's boot camp, uh, I mean, I haven't gone through it, but I mean, every creator I know that's gone through it has, has loved it, you know? And, and from my perspective, like, I mean, I guess I could be a, a crotchety old man and be like, it's a competitor, but that's not how I look at it at all because the overall mission, I mean, obviously I want to make a living, but the overall mission of comics experience is get more creators operating on a higher level and get them and help get them out and give them the tools they need. And, and that's, I mean, obviously, you know, you take an intro to writing class or an intro to art class or coloring or lettering and whatever, and, and you want those skills that you're signing up for. But a lot of what creators need is they need, they need to talk about what does it take to collaborate with other creators? Like very, very few people are penciling, inking writing coloring and lettering their own books some are and and that is awesome um but collaboration is a, is a really tricky thing so we talk a lot about that we talk a lot about budgeting um that's always depressing um, <laughs> but you know i mean but but you know and again one of my sort of you know core values is don't lie to people like like give them the truth i mean i can give it to them in a in a in a positive way it, and and help them figure out like like in budgeting is a good example because it's very easy 
financially to lose your shirt making a comic, right? But, I mean, it's you can lose a much bigger shirt making a movie, but but making a comic, it, it, it's it's risky business, you know, if on a financial level. So you can, you know, and I can just tell you that and be like, don't do it. But I would rather give you the data, talk you through the data, and make sure we all understand kind of what we're talking about, and then. There's the brainstorm and there's strategies about how do you minimize that risk? How do you how do you bring that budget down without disrespecting anybody, without like trying to slash somebody's rates or whatever? You know, and so it becomes about, you know, as long as the focus is on problem solving, I mean, you can work in comics. You you may decide, oh, maybe I won't spend all this money and make a hundred and twenty page graphic novel the first time out, because maybe that's not the way to go. It might be the way to go, but probably you want to think it through. But you might go, let me do some short stories first. Let me let me get to know some people in the in the industry, work in some anthologies, you know, kind of kind of do this sort of stuff. I mean, there's so many different approaches that if you want to work and if you want to make comics and get them out there, there's so many different ways that you can do it as long as you're focused on solving problems instead of identifying roadblocks. You can do it. Right, right. Yeah, that's the way you have to look at it, you know. Travis, does this make you want to put some of the team through the experience themselves? Did we lose him? Travis, did you fall asleep on us? Oh, man, we put Travis to sleep. We really? Are we? Were we that boring? I bet you he was like, oh, they won't get back to me for a while. I'm going to go fuck around and do something. <laughs> he's off he's he's boozing. Travis, if you fell asleep in the middle of my goddamn show, I swear to God, maybe he should put himself through the experience. Maybe you should get him to take a couple of your business budgeting classes just to like. I'll be honest with him. Like, hey, firing. don't ditch people on a podcast. <laughs> Lesson number one. All right, so we're at the point then uh, where you guys decide to do this. You've got four books, um, and these are all students of the experience. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Yeah, they are. So yeah. so the 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 basic sort of like the run through of like let's let's say some you're you want to get you are interested in submitting to to this program. Um you, you need to take a course or join our workshop or do the mentoring. Um and then whatever it is that you're working on sort of within comics experience um is then is then kind of theoretically eligible. And I say theoretically because I mean you know, if you take an intro to writing class and you come up with a script, I mean, you still got to put a creative team together on it and, you know, make the make the thing before you can submit it. But um, but yeah, I mean, so so, you know, and and we've got submission guidelines and we can talk through that on the website and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, get involved, get involved with the community. You know, it's not a it's it's not a pay to play sort of thing. It's not like, oh, I signed up for this course and, and automatically we're going to publish your work like that's I mean, Travis is running a publishing company. He's right. running a publishing company. So it's not like I can just go, hey, Travis, why don't you just print all this stuff that's not actually quite ready but if you're motivated and you want to work on it then then hopefully the comics experience community the whether it's the courses or the workshop or a combination of some of these things we're going to get you there and and you know i mean you've got to be willing to work 
Well, of course, right? But, do a lot uh, of do a lot of teams form out of the experience? I'd imagine a lot of people who just kind of gravitate yeah. to each other. Or are there? Is there also the other case where you're like, "Hey, go talk to this guy. I think you guys might have something cool together." Yeah, um, uh, both happen. I think the former probably happens more. I, you know, I I don't know. I've always kind of felt. You know, it's interesting when you were talking about uh, Ty and how he was like, "No, I thought you had to do this. You go do it." Um, I definitely feel that way to a certain extent. Like at some point, like I don't like, like we're there to teach you how to problem solve. Like I was right. saying, so, so I don't necessarily want to be there if, if you want a little bit of help and, or I see something and I'm like, Oh, well that's a fit. Like I'll, I'll mention it for sure. But like, I don't see it as my role to go like sort of be a matchmaker and a kingmaker. But that said, like in our creators workshop, which, you know, has, you know, live sessions where we talk about craft presentations and we bring in guests and we've also got these message boards. And one of the sub forums is um, like a, we call it collaboration corner and it's, you know, Hey, I'm seeking some help. And, you know, I mean, everybody's work is on there so you can go. And one of the things that's nice too, because it's so hard, like if you're going to DeviantArt or conceptart.org or pencil Jack or wherever you're going to find, you know, creators that you might want to work with, it's really hard to, to vet them and like get to know them because you're starting from a potential business point. Whereas, you know, if you're a part of just like a creative community and people that are just passionate about comics, you can be on there for a while where you're putting your work up and you're just, but we're talking, you know, about all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, were talking about industry trends and whatever, but, uh, but you can get to know people kind of before you. Yeah, totally. You, yeah, you, yeah, which, yeah. Which is, which is remarkably comforting because you're like, okay, well, I'm starting yeah. from a place where I already like you, and I know that we ha have a lot of similar viewpoints. And on you're things. also not doing it in in, in, a, in a purely singular way as well. When it's part of a community, you know, and it seems that okay, this person has at least had chats with other people who don't think he's crazy either. Like just <laughs> right. you know, yeah. people get vetted by association often as well, right? Right. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things, you know, I mean, and I'm certainly I'm I am by no means opposed to people going and finding people, finding collaborators online. I think that's great. I have found many collaborators online and I do the best I can with like, OK, well, who else knows this guy who's, you know, or who's worked with her that I can, you know, just make sure that, you know, they follow through on their commitments or, you know, what, you know, whatever else, you know, that they weren't you know, really, really precious about everything and didn't want to have a discussion if I thought the layout didn't work or, you know, I mean, there's any number of things, you know. Hey, yeah, it's yeah. Travis. He hey. woke up. Hey, you woke up. Thank God. That was terrible. Hearing <laughs> <laughs> you talk, I'm like, oh, listen to this dumb shit. I can't even speak. <laughs> it, was the, it was the mute button. It fooled you again. It was not. It was not the mute button. It was like my microphone stopped working. I had to start everything back over. Uh, yeah, you just restarted my recording too. So I hope it didn't screw it all up. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not too. Uh, I was asking you though there before everything failed and you failed miserably. Um, does this ever make you consider wanting to put any of your kids through the experience? Yeah, I, and I answered you then. I said, I'm going to make it a requirement. I'm setting them all through. <laughs> a bunch of problems. I can't, I can't see bottom. Ben sitting in a classroom. <laughs> oh, my God. 
no, I think uh, actually I did want to comment on that because you know Andy made a lot of really good points about what they are doing, um, and then what kind of where we come in is like okay, so you spent some money making your first comic. Um, let me show you how to not lose your shirt on that. Right. Yes, and that is something that I love about. Travis and Source Point. So I'm going to stop talking and let you finish that thought. I just wanted to <laughs> let you know that, that this was one of the things when we were talking that sold me on Source Point is is exactly what I'm interrupting him and preventing him from saying. So, <laughs> sorry. Well, it's just, you know, our we are very, very driven um, in, in terms of actually getting sales. You know, it's it's not about. Uh, like putting the book out and doing, and you know, being happy that it's out. We are, but at the same time, you know, we're very sales driven. We want to put paper in people's hands, and you know, so we look at it and we're like, okay, so maybe you can't get your your one shot comic or your anthology in uh, in Diamond. No big deal. Doesn't matter. You know, we'll show you how to make this economically viable. We will show you like how to work a convention and actually make money selling comics while you're there, you know, and how the strategies that work to make that happen and how to find your audience of people who are into your stuff. You know, this is all provided that there is a base level of talent and quality of what you're making, obviously. Um, but that's kind of where, where we step in is Andy's trying to show you like, look, uh, here's the realities of what it takes to make a comic, and this is how to collaborate with people, and this is how to find the right team and how to make the right thing. And then I want to step in and say, and this is how you don't lose your shirt. Maybe you won't make a living, but we can make this book pay for itself, and I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to show you how to make this – take this art project that you have and turn it into a product that we can right. do. Right. Are you going to kickstart these four books in true source point fashion or – uh, probably not uh, these. I mean, I'm definitely not uh, closed off. I mean, we use Kickstarter. We're, we're we've got one wrapping up now that was really successful. Um, I mean, we use Kickstarter is just a part of the sort of the new paradigm of where comics are at right now. I think it's foolish to ignore it. So we use it um, from time to time. We use it on things we think it's good for. We certainly don't use it on everything we release. Otherwise, we'd be running one overlapping constantly you do um, seem these... to be using them less and less like what did you do that you did one for the first couple nora but not the last two now we just did issue one right yeah and then the rest you just handled yourself right yep yeah 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 well that's cool um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and and travis is in and some other guys i think from source point we're talking about it right now are, are probably going to come in to the workshop and, and and we we do do like live workshops where we're all online together and and we're all like sort of chatting and it's, i mean it's more kind of like presenter based you know we, there's a topic or whatever and i think we're going to bring in likely a couple of guys from from source point to talk about like how do you really work a show how do you how do you identify if if somebody's actually interested, I mean, you don't want to be that annoying person that's shoving stuff right. in people's faces they're not interested in. I mean, there's so much nuance that goes with selling at a show and, and getting people's attention in a way that's that's not, you know, going to piss them off. And, right. And sometimes artists and writers are the absolute worst people to do that. 
Uh, yeah. Or sometimes Andy Schmidt is. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, and my my issue is I just I don't want to bother anybody, so I tend to be far too quiet. You know, um, I love. I love if somebody is interested, I'd love to have one-on-one or, or a small little conversation with people. That want to, but like, I am not historically, I have not been the guy that like grabs your attention when you're, when you're walking by, but, but I'm going to work on it because one of the books that, that we're publishing, I wrote and it's got uh, two other people on the creative team are also from comics experience. Awesome. Um, so that, so that's a real homegrown one. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, getting in there and I'm going to, I'm going to learn the, the source point way. You have so much to teach each other. (laughs) When we met at C2E2, one of the things I was, I was most happy about is, you know, we, we had, uh, we had like, you know, Casey and Dave and Greg Wright were there. So like our three biggest titles basically. And, you know, Andy comes up and we meet and he comes around the back of the booth and we're chatting. And I mean, you know how those guys are. You know, so it's just oh, yeah. like a constant stream of books, like just flying off the table. Right. You know, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just and I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is perfect timing. I wouldn't want to meet this guy any other any other time than right now. Cause he's like, <laughs> You're thinking to yourself, thank God this ain't Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto's gotten a lot better. Toronto was a real, real tough uh, first. Well, you're new here. It's a, it, it is an entirely different country. You know, people have to learn who you are. <laughs> they don't like our kind there. <laughs> no, it's not not like they that at they all. Tell. I am further north than Toronto is by a long way. <laughs> well, well, Travis, let me say, I mean, uh, a lot of excitement. Uh, last time. Not last time you were here, but the time before, you left me with a stack of books uh, to share some love around to the local, uh, you know, shops around. And everybody's pretty damn excited, man. Most of the shops that I've uh, gotten to go by uh, are planning on ordering next month. So, kids, next month, uh, you know, Source Point Press uh, entering Diamond. Uh, three titles Haunted High Ons. Uh, what are the other ones you're doing? Dead Duck and Zombie Chick by our good friend yeah, Jay Fosgett and Salvagers. And, uh, so yeah, the volume one of Salvagers by uh, Bob Sally are the the first three. Um, and we'll be doing three to five titles per month, and then the first four books uh with Comics Experience, which are uh, Achilles Inc. Um, by Andy and Cohorts, which will be a four issue miniseries. Um. Family Graves, which will be uh, that was that was four issues too, right, Andy? That's four issues, yeah. That's by Tim Rosbach and uh, Ros, uh, yeah, Rosbach and um, Brian Atkins. And then and, uh, Grief by Frank Gogol and everyone. So Frank yeah. wrote all the. That's the one we were talking about before. He wrote all the short stories and has a a, a really cool you know group of artists that worked on those. Um, and then the graphic novel or trade paperback. I don't know how we talk about these things nowadays. Uh, Wretched Things by yeah, Devin, Devin Wong from Toronto, and uh, and Ken Perry. And right on. Yeah, we're launching at C2E2, and most of us are. Most of those, at least one person from each of those books, creative team wise, will be at C2E2 launching the books. Travis and I have a panel together to talk about what we're doing to try and help new creators. And man, it's going to be awesome. That's very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. Uh, Always more, always more. 
Yep. And then as the year progresses, we'll uh, we'll be working those titles through previews too, and doing all the all the all the kind of normal stuff, uh, you know, that we do to get them out there. Um, Doug, at uh, just a few minutes, I, I do want to single out one book though to give like a good example of trying to do something different that normally wouldn't work, um, and that's the book Grief by Frank Vogel. Uh, I so like if you take most anthologies do not do well. You they know, that, like it's very difficult to put, get them <laughs> distributed. It's very difficult to do well with them. Um, even when they're extremely good, they're just they're often a hard sell. Um, outside of outside of sort of a very targeted market, right? Um, but grief is is really really good. And if you check out Frank. Um, like check out his online presence and his social media uh, footprint and everything that he's doing. He's so good at getting people interested and exciting in it that, you know, it, it takes this idea that I think a lot of people would look at and be like, that's eh, not very marketable. And it, and it forces it to be, it forces it to be marketable. It forces it to be something that I actually think is going to end up doing, doing really well. And that's kind of exactly the sort of stuff that I, I want to push more with this partnership. Right. Well, it sounds cool. That's the kind of thing that you want to get. You want to get the most originally shit you can out of a partnership like this. Uh, Doug, who is one of the co-owners of Altered States Comics, he loves the source point model of your ridiculous I won't do an ongoing, ongoing series philosophy. So I just wanted to pass that on to you, that he loves the fact that you just shoot out like four and then do another six or whatever. Well, yeah, it's it's mainly just because I'm I, I don't want to. I mean, it comes down to capital. We don't have the capital to support it. It's, it's well, really it's a lot. It's a lot. Of, it's more than that too. I mean, things can get out of control. I mean, especially you know, not saying you want to be scared of commitment, but commitment can be hard. And when you commit to something that big and important, like you know, there's a certain company around here right now. I don't want to talk negative about anybody, but they're having a lot of problems with getting their fucking books out. And people love these books and they want these books, but they're getting very frustrated by the fact that they're not getting these fucking books that they've been promised at certain times, right? And, you know, you, you, you got to get your books out, man. Like, that's one thing SourcePoint is always – I don't think I ever, ever once have heard the word delay come out of SourcePoint Press. Uh, well, yeah, no, but that, that's, that's essentially because everything's already done usually by the time we start releasing it. Well, just that alone is a smart way to go about it. You know what I mean? So, you know, um, I noticed uh, Andy, uh, one of your instructors is Phil Seavey. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, uh, Travis, Phil worked on Anthony's The First Hero for Action Lab. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He did the first yeah. issue or the first four issues. Or did he just do the cover? I'm totally blanking out right now. But he totally did the first hero with uh, Anthony Rutgazer uh, out of Toronto here. Uh, yeah, Phil's – I don't know if you know him, but he's he's phenomenal. I haven't I mean, met him, just... but I know his work through uh, reading the first hero, and uh, I love the first hero. It's a great book. So Yeah, he and I only met um, not even that long ago, honestly. It was down in, in at uh, Comic Palooza in Houston last year. Um, and, uh, and he, he, he was just tabling across from me and he, he came over and said like the scariest thing any artist can say to me, which is, 
you gave me a portfolio review once, um, which is like, which is like the worst thing to hear. Cause you're just like, Oh my God, what did I do? Uh, I ruined this guy's life. And now he's like, he's a successful artist and he's going to tell me how full of crap I am. Um, and he, I mean, and he couldn't have been more pleasant. He, he said, I mean, it was nice. I mean, he said that I gave him a very helpful review, which is nice, but you know, he, he went to um, Savannah college of art and design, which is really really good art school and, and majored in, in comics and, and, and sequential art and got a master's degree. And, and he was just sitting there and he, he came over and he handed me a copy. He, he had done this one shot called paradox. That's a sideways comic. You read it, you know, and you open it up kind of like a calendar. You right know, on. And I mean, it was time travel. I mean, it's right in my alley. Like I'm, I'm a pretty big science fiction fan. And, and I mean, it was just incredible. And then you know, I went over and he showed me some of his Tomb Raider stuff and some of the stuff that he, you know, he'd done for Top Cow and whatever else. And, and I was just super impressed. We just wound up hanging out at the show. Like, um, and I had Kevin McGuire on, on one side of me and Ben Templesmith on the other. And I had worked with both of them at different stages in my career. And so like the four of us wound up just hanging out a bunch. And then turns out Philip, was already teaching and so we just started talking and and you know he he uses a lot of technology a lot of like SketchUp and stuff like that and so which is really nice because he's he i mean he's teaching you know the traditional he's teaching the the foundational stuff but he's also like he can talk to the people that are a little bit more tech savvy and you know right, only right. drawn us in teak and all that kind of stuff um yeah, he's great. He's so nice. He's ridiculous. like he's so nice that it, he makes me feel bad about myself. <laughs> that sounds like another individual, uh, actually, that Travis, I wanted to ask you about, uh, and that's sure. Mr. Sean Daly. Uh, how much can you tell us about Ogre? <laughs> uh, not very much. Um, yeah. So, uh, as you know, I'm, I, I don't. I'm a huge fan of Sean from like the moment I first saw uh, any, any, any bit of Terraquil, um, which, right. which we have since signed and will be coming out this year. Yeah. Uh, a new version of it along with, uh, along with some new Terraquil, which is on the way. Yeah. Um, but Sean Daly is, is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Canadian artist. Um, and so we've got him working on a three-issue miniseries called Ogre with Bob Sally, um, who wrote Salvagers, which we've had a lot of success with. And he writes our uh, that webcomic, Shelter Division, that we publish on our website for free uh, every two weeks. So um, it's probably a book that I've been more involved with. Uh, creatively than I have been in a book for a while outside of just editing. Um, and I'm really excited how it's taking shape. I think it's the best work Bob has done in his, his career thus far. Um, and, you know, of course, Sean, I, you know, it's a basic fantasy story, but it's, it's, it's really different and it's, it's really poignant. And, you know, if you've read Terraquil or if you've seen any of Sean's work, um, then you know how he can kind of capture that, like both this real vulnerability and also this like almost creepy surrealism in his art. Yeah, his, uh, but it, it's it's it, gonna. Yeah. He gives you the feels, man. He's he's one of them, you know, 
absolute masters at just sucking the feels right out of your heart. So, and yeah, him and, and Bob, that's a great to, combo, uh, man. That's a fantastic I'm to get teaming my hands up. On and Samurai Grandpa too. So, you know, next time you see. Oh, that's that's his baby. That's his baby, Travis. <laughs> He just he just basically gave up the last year of his existence to make Samurai Grandpa. In fact, I recently he was part of the Ink Show. There's a tattoo, Seven Crowns Tattoo here in Toronto, and they did a art show called Ink, and it was four artists. It was Katie Sawatsky, Andrew Shehan, uh, Sean Daly, and Shane Heron, and they all did a bunch of work. I- just a shout out to Jay Fosgett if he listens to them. I, I know all of those Canadian artists. <laughs> he was actually there the night I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, left out. I actually bought the original art for the back cover of Samurai Grandpa. Really? Yes. And I'm you know, when I was in Toronto for that holiday show. Sean uh, brought me the an original page that I had admired online as a gift. So what do you think about that? It's what he does. It's what he does. That's what, like I brought up Sean because uh, Andy, are you just saying about Phil? Like this, like Sean Daly, he's so nice. Like he's too nice for even Canadians. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it's unbelievable. We've had we have to yell at him to actually sell his artwork. Like he's very prolific. He's a he's a very intense watercolorist. He's constantly watercoloring. So he's just got stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of watercolors that he just tosses piles of them away at people. And you're like, come on, at least five bucks a piece, man. Like, you know, you're supposed to be making a living off this shit. And you easily. Uh, no, when, when he, uh, when was it last year at Philly? Yeah. Uh, you were there at Philly. Yeah. Um, you know, I was uh, – you had introduced me to Terraquil, uh, the previous uh, fan expo maybe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was a big fan. Sean was there. And I went over there, and I'm, like, digging through pages, and there's just all these Terraquil pages. And so I'm pulling them out. Like, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of these. And I've got a stack of probably, like, eight or nine original pages. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you just just take those, man. Just, like, what? No. What is wrong with you? Absolutely not. Like, you have to force him. You know, to take a couple hundred bucks to be like, look, you're you're gonna take some money on these pages. Like, you can just have those. What? No. <laughs> he's just crazy. oh, he's so ridiculous. Uh, I'll see him on February 18th. He's gonna be riding with me out to Windsor uh, for Comic Syndicate's uh, Comic Book Syndicate's Action 2018. Yeah, You'll be there. there. I'll be there. Sean Daly will be there. I'll be there serving as master of ceremonies and panel host. So that'll be good times indeed. Andy, you worked on some Star Trek. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I don't get that that call out very often, but yeah, I did. uh, Did uh, just books or did the comics? What exactly did you work on? Uh, yeah, just, just the comics. Um, and not even that long, but, but I'd happened to work on it at a really interesting time. Um, because when I got hired on at IDW as a senior editor, um, I was hired on to, to, to do the relaunch of GI Joe. Right. Um, and, uh, and Star Trek was the other thing. And so it was a really interesting time because bad robot and, and CBS, Paramount, and IDW were all fighting, so it was awesome. 
and it was right before <laughs> it was right before Star Trek Eleven, which I like to call Star Trek Eleven because everyone at Bad Robot demanded that it be Star Trek, as though it were the first Star Trek thing ever. <laughs> and so I would constantly refer to it as Star Trek Eleven. Nice. I'd be like, "No, oh, it's just Star Trek." I'm like, "But it's the eleventh Star Trek." <laughs> Yeah, it is Star Trek Eleven. Um, yeah, no, I, I had fun with with those guys, but so I wound up doing, and and you know, Bad Robot's just super secretive about right. everything, and right. so you know, Paramount and CBS had had set up like all these license deals for this new big movie coming out, and <laughs> Bad Robot was basically like, nah, we're not going to give them anything. So like the deal with Burger King or you know whatever toy place, whatever, like there's all felt fell apart because they didn't have so so we wound up being the only uh the only real tie-in to that movie that came out like on for anything and so we did a really? four-ish prequel miniseries and it was awesome and, and i mean it took forever to like kind of coax a bunch of that stuff out of them um but like my c- contact at bad robot this is kind of funny so he's super uh super nice guy and he's from philadelphia and that was 2008, which was the year that they went to the the Philadelphia Phillies went to the World Series. So so basically for like two months, I just talked to baseball with him. Like didn't really even like talk about like getting <laughs> just I get on the phone and be like, how are those Phillies doing? And then we just talk baseball. And uh, and then and then, uh, and right then eventually, you know, we just kind of became friends. I actually still talk with him. He's still at Bad Robot and stuff. And um, and he was one of the producers. I think he's got like an associate producer credit on the movie. Right. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so so I wound up being involved in that, and that that was that was those were really well received issues, and I. Um, J.K. I Woodward co- didn't work on any of that, did he? He didn't work on Countdown. No, that was David Messina was the artist. Okay, uh, right on. Um, but he did work on one or two issues with me because I did some one shots, like they called them the Alien Spotlights. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Which which reminds me, probably the nerdiest thing I've ever done um, was I co-wrote an alien spotlight on the Cardassians with my older brother Arnie, uh, and the char- the main character in that issue was a, was the character that I created with Arnie and played in a Star Trek role playing game that he was the the, <laughs> the GM for, and so we this, just- this is not the sort of thing that you admit. Uh, no, it's, it's the sort of thing. So, Exclusive, so right? Yeah, we took a character that we created for a role-playing game, and we put that character in actual Star Trek canon. Uh, <laughs> so nerd cred achieved. Uh, yes. And the other really cool Star Trek thing I got to do is um, – so when the first motion picture you know, came out in the, in the late 70s, there was a movie adaptation, and then that, that movie didn't do what – you know, everybody was hoping. And so when Star Trek two came out, there were very few licenses that happened and, and there was no comics license. So there was no adaptation of Star Trek two, the Wrath of Khan. Then that one did super well and everybody loves that one. And then there's been a movie adaptation for every movie ever since. Um, and IDW wanted to put out a collection of, you know, like the first six, uh, um, movie adaptations but there was no star trek 2 movie adaptations is like 2008 2009 or something now and so i volunteered to write a three issue star trek 2 the wrath of khan movie adaptation 20 years after the after nice the awesome uh, <laughs> and i had a blast doing it and one of the really interesting things about it was 
So we had 25 pages for, so I'm trying to do the whole movie in 75 pages. And, uh, I got raked over the coals online for, for some of my artistic choices. But one of the things that was really cool was I had to find, I just had to cut some stuff. Um, and so like in that iconic scene with the worm going in the ear, I cut away from that scene, uh, before you find out what the worm does, you know, Ricardo Monobon goes through the whole thing. It goes into your ear. I can mind control you, and eventually you're going to go insane and die. And I just cut all that around. You see the squealy thing, and then and then we just cut away. So you don't get any of the explanation about what it does. So theoretically, if if you have not seen the movie, which would be weird, um, you know, like you don't know that that he's going to be mind controlled. So then the next time you see Chekhov, and he's like trying to lure the team out there. So I got to like just cut and trim and right, right. things around so that, so there's actually like a slightly, not hugely, but it's a slightly different like dramatic experience. And it was really, really fun. And like, I, I would email the scripts in to, to Paramount and I would get these notes back. I'm like, why would you cut this? Like, you know, and I'm like, well, yes, every scene's iconic in a movie that popular, but, but, you know, and then I would go in and explain, well, like, if we do this, then there's a different payoff over here. And I love that stuff. I read uh, yeah, uh, Darth Plagueis, one of the Star Wars novels. That is a great book. Oh, it's so good. The last third of the book oh, takes place at the same time as Phantom Menace. And right. And it makes sense of some it, stuff in Phantom Menace. Oh, it totally does. It makes the movie such a more enjoyable, like, meteor watch after you've read Darth Plagueis. I think it's oh, oh so good. Oh, it's such a good book. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I'm I glad completely. you read it. It was oh, fantastic. It was I think it was the last of the of the old canon that I read. Yeah, it was it was one it was the last yeah. one I read. It was one of the last ones uh published i mean it was it was a fairly recent one. it was really good and that guy um i forget his name it's like an italian name far now. um that guy i read his stuff as a kid he he wrote under a different name what is it wrote, james lucino that's him yeah that's yeah him. yeah yeah he wrote under a different name i can't remember what the name was now um when i was a kid and i was super into the cartoon robotech and right he on. wrote he wrote the Robotech novels under a different name. And so it was I, – and I, I don't know if it says oh, that in cool. his bio somewhere, but I found that out, and I was like, oh, like I read this guy because I'm old 35 years ago. <laughs> and, and now I'm like reading this now, and he's like – you know, he's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I really love like sort of playing with that – those sort of dramatic stuff. So that was a really cool project, and then – People, and then it came out and no one cared because it was like, why are you guys publishing uh, Star Trek 2? Because <laughs> we want to, damn it. Because <laughs> it needed to happen. Yeah, Shut it up, didn't kids. exist and I wanted to read it and now it does. So uh, that is super, super cool, guys. Um, so, yeah, kids, Source Point Press and the comic experience uh, uniting to form Devastator on your asses so if you want to learn how to make comics get in touch uh, the comic experience.com yes uh yeah just to be clear it's comics sorry comics uh, comics experience or if you prefer uh comic sex 
Sexperience.com. Uh, <laughs> Comic Sexperience. Comic Sexperience. Uh, well, we'll, we'll have all the appropriate links in the posts and on the website, oh. of course, uh, kids. But, uh, Andy, hopefully uh, we get to meet in person sometime at one of these damn shows. It, uh, it would be very cool to actually meet you and uh, get to chat. Yeah, absolutely. And well, if you ever want to chat about anything else, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. Me? Come back on the show anytime. Travis, shut up. I'm talking to Andy. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. man. What did no, you say? That would be fun. Tra- Travis, are you still there? I said I asked if you were coming to Philly this year. Am I coming to Philly? You should be able to meet Andy because he's going to be a guest in Oh, right on. Uh, Travis, uh, I love you. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. All See right. you guys. All right. Take Later it easy. Guys.